This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. From the southernmost point of Dorn to the lands of always winter, where Jon Snow's resting, what's west of Westeros, and the shadows in the east, sometimes those in Mordor as well. And don't forget the world of Will. This is Casterly Talk. I'm Ked Knapsack. We are live today on the YouTube side, but you might be listening to this on the podcast side, and we are happy to have you, no matter how you take us in. It's been a lot of fun watching the Willow coverage led by this man, my co-host today, the one and only, that Alden Diaz. What's up, my friend? Hello. Yes. Returning from Tiraslin and heading back into Westeros, uh, a place decidedly less fun and and (laughs) warm and welcoming. Uh, But I do miss it. I miss Westeros. How many Metallica covers are in Westeros is the question we have to ask ourselves. Not enough, not enough. Although I will say, yeah, uh, I love the Metallica moment, I and I too. would remind everyone of the Bear and the Maiden Fair that even Game of Thrones was not above yeah. throwing a pop cover you have, in, uh, or a rock cover in. Yeah, yeah. Who was that? Was that hold the hold steady? Uh, I think did that one there, uh, mm-hmm. and then the, the National, of course, doing uh, the uh, Rancid Castamere, Florence the Machine, yes. Florence doing uh, Jenny Voldstones. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell. I don't want to turn this into Willow Talk. Uh, you and Nikki have been doing a great job. You got some great guests lined up for the uh, episodes uh, coming uh, in the next couple weeks. Here, I as a, uh, I'm a rock DJ. I'll, I love weird kind of bizarre covers of metal songs and i love slower versions done with an acoustic guitar i love it i think Mm -hmm. it's it adds to the whimsy of willow so there's there you tell the world alden that's what i think i'm gonna pass those comments along it has been controversial but i i i'm i'm here for it i think that if we're gonna do these shows we're gonna do these fantasy shows they have to carve out an identity rings of power season finale ended with an original Right. An original song uh, by was it who, who did that? Uh, was it Fiona was it Enya? Apple? No, it's not Fiona it's Apple. Fiona Apple. It's Fiona Apple. Right? That's right. And you did the did the movies. Did Susan the movies, Jackson. and then you, had, you had Neil Finn yeah. doing uh, Misty mm-hmm. Mountain, and then uh, Annie Lennox, of course, in there as well. So I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. So here's why we're here today. We are live on YouTube. We're having some fun. I haven't been on the channel here in a couple weeks, so I wanted to show my face on the YouTube side. What a thrill for all of you, and get my voice out there. But really, uh, we had the Game of Thrones convention this weekend. We did not attend. Uh, you know, a lot going on in life right now, and I think that convention needs some work to get the word out. Uh, I have some thoughts on that, but Alton, uh, emerged, uh, emerging from that was some Jon Snow thoughts. There was a tweet that went out yesterday that I just kind of saw in passing and went, oh, I text you, go, oh, look what we got here. And you said, well, consider this, mm-hmm. which is also has inf- how information gets spread so fast when it's sometimes not correct. So that's why, Alden, we're here to talk a little Jon Snow, sir. Yes, I, a character near and dear to my heart, somebody that I, I think about more than I think about some of my actual family and friends. Um, and I'm, I'm glad right. that... This convention, low-key as it may be, and it was sort of a mm-hmm. weird unrolling, nothing bad. No, it wasn't mis- dis- disorganized or anything. It was just like, mm. for something this massive, it was like, hey, there was a 
Game of Thrones Con with like mm-hmm. lead characters, and it was kind of under discussed. And yeah, but there were some great insights coming out from Kit Harrington from Patty Considine. You had some fun uh, cast pairings from both shows, like we got to see, yes. um, you know, a J- Joffrey and Aegon two together, like yeah. two despised kings. We got to yeah. Steve Toussaint was on a panel. Like it was seemed like a good time. I saw that. I love Jack Gleason and his like trucker mustache he had going on there. He looked like he was in a seventies uh, California Southern California rock band with Jackson <laughs> right. Brown. Uh, I loved all that. Yeah, and look, I want to talk possibly about the convention. Uh, I have ne- never attended Con of Thrones, which was kind of an unofficial convention. I think makes a lot of sense sense for the uh, HBO family, which, and I see in chat here, uh, George Mitchell brought up a good question. The real question is HBO, will HBO be a thing in 2025? Stay tuned for that or whatever's going on over there. Some uh, troubling things on the business side, but I think Game of Thrones will be safe. But anyways, not to digress too much, I think it's great that they have an official convention. It makes a lot of sense. You and I are big fans of Star Wars Celebration, obviously. I'll see you all in London. But uh, I just think this is the first year out. They had it delayed a couple years because of COVID, and it needs to be bigger and better, and it can be, meaning, like you said, it was well done. Everyone who went seemed to have a great time, but not a lot of podcasts get invited to cover it, which is how you get that press exchange to get the word out so the fans know it's a place to be. So, Alden, uh, we're positive about it, but uh, we want to see it bigger and better. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing where it's sort of like because – so many of our conventions are institutions like Star Trek has its, I think it has a couple and it has like the mission one, which was unfortunately just delayed and they've been in Vegas and celebrations and institutions, San Diego is an institution, New York's an institution. These are all at their Mm -hmm. final forms. And if they ever get tweaked, it's only a little bit like this year we're doing a light speed line or this year we're doing this, a ground up convention for something massive is something that we haven't really seen in a while. And we have to sort of put it in perspective. Like those first star Wars celebrations were, Hey, we're gonna do a random panel with every Boba Fett that's alive, yeah. like, and just yeah. you know put them all together. And I, I think agree. that this had some of that old school con energy. I heard from a friend named Edgar um, from the Where Heartbreak Feels Good podcast that he he was on the on the ground on the scene the entire yeah. weekend, got to ask some audience questions, and he said it was surprisingly very calm. You could just reserve a seat, wow. you could just yeah. walk in wherever. Um, I agree with that. Uh, You know, it's like uh, San Diego when uh, Charles Lippincott is promoting Star Wars. Uh, It's a couple of card tables and some uh, uh, classic nerds trying to figure out what that sci-fi movie is about. So I love that. Yeah, I think it's only going to get bigger and better. And one of the things we are so used to news emerging from cons. You see the word con, Comic-Con San Diego, New York, whatever, uh, Wizard World for a while, Dragon Con. That's never been associated with news, more drinking. Uh, but then you, you see con and you yep. just expect news. And we were kind of, you and I were on call to see if there's going to be anything official about this Jon Snow sequel series or any kind of big news. Not a lot of big news emerged, but we do want to dive into this Jon Snow thought, uh, the thing here with some thoughts uh, about it. Uh, but Alden, this will start with that kind of weird tweet from HBO, right? Yeah. So it was an interesting situation because people knew the con was coming up. They had marketed it with a handful of guests and some of them were some of the marquee headlining characters kit harrington was one of the first out of the gate that was confirmed later they added patty and some of the other leads uh, from house of the dragon but they had kit lined up mm. and then you know you can go back we covered it here on casually talk when it was just a james hibbard report and then a day or two later george R. R. martin himself is like yes it is in development the working title is snow this did happen and then HBO, very randomly, it seemed it seemed suspicious, put up a yeah. The Journey of Jon Snow video 
on all over their channels and socials, which served as like a catch up and stuff, or just like mm-hmm. a look back at, at his arc, which felt like, and again, maybe this is just nerd training from other things. It's like, oh, they're they're prepping us. They're getting us in the mood for John. Yeah. And Kit's yeah. going. He has his own panel. And it just felt like something was going to happen. But it's not <laughs> like it was a broken promise. It's just that's the way the nerd world is. No, absolutely. Again, we, we are conditioned to think that, right? We're conditioned to... Uh, uh, to just be, oh, con panel, uh, kit showing up, there's going to be some news. And so, yeah, it, it could lead to disappointment, which is uh, natural, but also not the con's fault, not HBO's, HBO's fault. Uh, I want to address something, too. This is, uh, we get live, we're here live on YouTube. If you got a question, we're going to talk about Jon Snow, but if anything pops to your mind, we'd love to kind of answer it here. Gaz Nottingham writes, the actor who played a Didgeridoo on Andor, uh, Denise Goth, mentioned in an interview mm-hmm. that she had shot a Game of Thrones pilot, wasn't picked up, any ideas what, any ideas what that would have been. It, it She was in Blood Moon which was the Naomi Watts-led uh, one. So, hey, there you go. That didn't go, but she's uh, absolutely killing it, kind of literally, with uh, Didgeridoo. So, love that. Yeah, she's fantastic. And no, I knew about Naomi Watts. I believe there was somebody else in that that I was a fan of, but I can't quite recall. But now that I've seen Andor, I'm extra curious about the Blood Moon pilot that we should note for viewers. Even George R. R. Martin has never seen it, Even, and, at least as of, as of his last comment on it. You know, and again, HBO, HBO Max, WB, there's, there's a lot of business going on. Who knows uh, what we'll be able to see and what George yeah. R. Martin could even see. But that was that. Yeah. Uh, Walter, when it all burns down, he can run in and grab the Blood Moon tape yeah. when no one's looking. There's some big juicy comments that Kit Harrington had about Jon Snow as, a, as a, the man who uh, played that character for so many years. So we want to get to that. But before we do that, let's start maybe with uh, the tweet. I don't have it in front of me from it was like anywhere plus but this mm-hmm. idea of that, yeah, it's it's definitely happening. Now, you you said off-air, great thing. It's kind of unofficially official, right? It is unofficially official is, is what I would use to describe it because it's like saying something's in development. It's It reminds me, not to make it a Star Wars podcast, although the two of us have Star Wars podcasts. It's going to happen. The, the whole idea of like Sean Levy, right, is a great example. Yeah. Someone in the trades reports, Sean Levy is in talks to develop a Star Wars. Then Sean Levy tweets, yes, I am. Yeah. That still doesn't count as official. And so it's like Snow was reported on by Hibbard, who has a great relationship. Snow was then confirmed to be in development by George. That's George himself. So we know it exists, at least in ideas phasing. What IndieWire Plus, and that's an important part of this, IndieWire Plus tweeted was that it's in pre-production, that you're going to have John and Tormund, that it's this and this and this it's coming out 2025 like they they were going hard on the details and i sort of was like well i don't know what indie wire plus is so i looked yeah. into it couldn't really see if there was an official connection they're not verified although <laughs> verification hey, i so. never was so i'm not paying eight dollars to <laughs> for nothing. no <laughs> and now there's multicolor verification it's like a power ranger badge i don't even know i know um, i know it, who i am <laughs> Somebody uh, responded, said, where is this info coming from? And this account said, IndieWire and Deadline got out of a fan convention that just ended. However, all fans were specifically asked uh, to not ask questions about this. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. Um, So this is all very vague. So it's like reporting. It it almost feels like we see this a lot sort of with like leaks and scoops culture where it's like you take an easy shot. Mm-hmm. And then you could say you were right later. Like saying John and Tormund are going to be in this thing is like, okay, yeah, I would have assumed that. 
it's like that's like saying I'm going to drink at my next stand-up gig. It's a good guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and even even the release date of 2025 is one of those safe bet kind of guesses. And we're not here to say that anyone behind that tweet was guessing. This is just yeah, you trace it, no. you try to find other spots in it, and, and nothing else emerged. So, but yeah, we still was it in any? It. Like there was no Hibbard follow-up. There was no EW or THR variety or yeah. deadline. And that's not to say that people that are not legacy trades. I don't know how to classify them, you know, younger publications. It's not to say they can't be right. They have been. Mm. Um, but, you know, you got to follow sort of the trusted sources, which Martin has even said. Yeah. He's, he, he has laid out, yeah. this is someone I trust. This is someone I don't. This is someone who does the journalistic work. This is someone who doesn't. Uh, but we can't avoid the fact that it is a show that we knew existed. So yeah. when Kit does take to the mic during the weekend, you are reading between everything he says. You, you have absolutely have to read between the lines. Yeah, and he, we, yeah, we want to clarify too. George R. Martin said, "Yeah, it's a thing." He Kit's brought his showrunners and his team to it. They're great. Can't say anything, but in that George way, he says a lot, uh, which is uh, what he's apt to do. Uh, so yeah, before, I want to get to Kit's comments because that's gonna we get a, a great live comment here from uh, Douglas Dubois saying, "Hey, does anyone even have an inkling about what the show John Snow Show will be about?" I'm so intrigued. It seems like they have a direction they want to go. I'm just too dense to predict. So we're going to get to that here in a second. But Alden, there's reason to be excited before we get to Kit's comments. George Mitchell says this, a non-apologetic Jon Snow stan. Can't wait to see what's next for the prince who was promised. You have to imagine we'll see Queen Sansa and or King Bran too. So before we get to Kit's comments, let's kind of maybe even remix mm -hmm. some of you and I's uh, thoughts on what mm -hmm. we think this show could be, what we want, what we maybe predict thematically, which leads into some Kit stuff. But I'm with George here. It'd be hard not to at least hear those names during this story. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the context creatively for this, you have the thing that excites me about it is the fact that George R. Martin is excited about it because yeah. you have a guy who watched his story and will never ever get the hundred, maybe not until. Benioff and Weiss are elderly and there's a tell all book. Will <laughs> yeah. we get the truth of the truth of the truth um, or as Waiting. much of the truth as we can get? Yeah. We'll never know exactly how he feels about season eight. We won't know what's his and what wasn't until we get to more books. So all that aside, what's interesting is that you have Kit Harrington pitching him a sequel to the ending that is not his official right. ending, but is something that he liked enough to say, yes, that's what would happen. Yeah. And that is, so in creatively intriguing because it's like yeah. George famously has been like, I think we should have gone to 12, 13, 14 seasons. I, you know, he yeah. got less involved. He stopped writing a, a teleplay during, you know, after yeah. season four or five. So it's like, he clearly was a little, little distant, but then your lead actor says, well, I think this is what happens next. And you agree with him. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Yes. Um, because that implies to me that whatever kit, pitched might work potentially with show John and book John. Right. And like, so there's that type of stuff, but in terms of in lore and fun nerd stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't help but go back to what uh, one of your boys, Sir Alistair said, like, but right before he died, like you'll be fighting their battles forever. Yeah. If, if called upon by one of his siblings, of course he'll return. Yeah. Of course he would. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I love that. And a Ranger Donald adds here, uh, we all know whose name will cast the biggest shadow 
all over the show, even though she's not in it at all. Of course, Amelia Clark is like, yeah, John uh, or Kit told me, John himself, Kit told me at Christmas last year. It's all good. I know it's real. And uh, I'm not in it. And I, I, I'm not surprised by that. But one of the things I'd put out there before that, you know, to bring in like Queen Sansa, bring in uh, the king uh, the, who has broken their brand. Uh, this this idea that, you know, Bran's going to go find Drogon, or at least that's part of what he, eh, maybe what he wants to do. Tyrion, your punishment is yeah. to run this whole business. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm going to take a rocket to Mars. And I, I <laughs> love that the one person who would have that kind of connection and the one way to maybe pull him back in, I keep trying to get out, but they pull him back in, is a kit on a, uh, as Jon Snow on a search for Drogon or just, just trying to find it out. And again, we'll get to kit com- Kit's comments here in a second. It all kind of lines up thematically in my head of where he would be and what he might want to correct or change or at least come to terms with post A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, it's a really interesting situation because I think that, you know, season eight being as controversial as it was, you will hear a whole spectrum of opinions. And one that you hear a lot is, I really didn't like anything that they did except for the three Stark kids. I like the Stark kids endings. You hear that a lot. And I think that John in particular returning to the true north, which Tormund had sort of foreshadowed, like, you've got too much of the true north in you. You're not a kneeler anymore. That's where he the first love of his life, you know, he laid her to rest up there. Like that's him returning, whether he's King beyond the wall officially or whether or not he's just wants to be with them is ambiguous yeah. uh, ghost up there as well. It feels like he was headed toward a period, not of isolation because he's got a people, but of reflection and everything. And, and to wonder where he is mentally mm. after after doing what he was convinced by Tyrion was right mm-hmm. to a degree, but even Tyrion was like, ask me again in 10 years. Right. Is, is this the answer? Is this, that is, is this John showing up at King's landing to hand Tyrion and saying, we did it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I was just, I was just going to think like, that's the previous on you kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi had the previous on, and it was just the prequels on previous on, you just do a <laughs> supercut of eight seasons and have Tyrion say, ask me again in 10 years, 10 years. And John shows up 10 years later, you go, I have an answer. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a lot of that stuff there too. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, we, we, you and I uh, really love a lot of things put forth in season eight, season seven. We understand problems. We have some problems ourselves, quibbles, but overall just really hit, think they hit the show uh, the nail on the head uh, with themes that they were building. And one of them for me is big in season three with Jon Snow. Uh, I'm out here to be a hero and Mance Raider calling his bluff and kind of telling the hard truth of, oh, I get it. You want to be a hero. And Jon has to redefine that for himself. So I love where mm-hmm. he ends, but I love these big questions. And a lot of people in chat even asking stuff about, hey, you know, White Walkers, is there another ice baby out there? Is that all wrapped up? Um, so to get into that, some of that stuff before, again, I keep teasing Kit's comments because I, I really love his comments here. Things about White Walkers, things that Tormund makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the characters we already know and love, Sam uh, showing up, Bran, Sansa, all that stuff. You know, hey, Maisie Williams, uh, throw her back in there uh, doing some Arya the way she wants to do it. I would love all that. Do you, would you be okay with that, Alden, if it is a, more of a direct continuation? Or do you like a time jump? Do you like it going in an entire different direction? Would you feel, hey, I'm kind of feeling the loss of a, a Tyrion or even yeah, Bronn shows up. Who knows? Or uh, what, what, You're this far out from it. Where does your heart go? Yeah, I think my gut instinct is that I don't personally, if I'm in the room, I would caution everyone. I would say we're not doing Game of Thrones season nine. Right. I, that's that's the thing. We're not doing season nine, 
And I would say, whoever's show running this, you're coming off of this in the same way that even though it was a prequel, Ryan Condal and them, like they knew, like we're coming off of this iconic thing, controversial as it may be, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I would want them to approach with the same mentality and and lean in, like mm-hmm. you know, just season eight happened. That's our foundation. We have to be in our creative bubble and say this is what we're working with. Now, does it again? Does it need to be Game of Thrones season nine? No. no. Would I be fine with a time jump? Absolutely. But do I want some returning faces? Yes, because. Yeah. John is a character that I think embodies uh, something that I like in my heroes, which is that they are forged by many people. He is Ned Stark's son as much as he's J.R. Mormont's protege, as much as he's mm-hmm. Mance Raider's heir, as much as he's Rhaegar's literal son, as much as he's Egret and Danny's yeah. lover at different times. Like he's Sam's best friend. All of those roles that he fulfills are so important that if he were to come south ever for any reason again, whether that was for a specific mission or, or mm-hmm. a war or Sansa's reign being threatened, whatever it was, you would expect him to call upon, yeah. um, you know, a, a Grand Maester Samuel Tarly or people like yeah. that. So I don't need it to be the continuation of that. Like if the if the Ice Baby, whatever, I don't, I wouldn't mind. It's all about yeah. execution, but I don't think that the mythological threat that we wrapped at Winterfell it is needs to be unpacked again. It could be the result of that yeah. sort of like first order empire. Um, yeah. You know, like things linger, um, but linger. Linger. I don't need it to be surprised. Season eight was not the end. I don't need yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I, I can't imagine that even uh, George, HBO, anyone would just, buy into that right away. So again, we're, we're totally speculating and having fun doing it, but uh, not beholden mm-hmm. to any of these ideas and thoughts. That's why I, I like, as much as I love kind of this thing I keep saying of, hey, let's go search for Drogon, that's almost an immediate pickup. I do like a little time. I do want to see him either, I want to see what's in the north, what's going on, who's around him, a bunch of new characters to dive into up there. Uh, and oh, yes, yeah. I would absolutely, it would be a no-brainer to have Tormund. Tormund and John is a, a comedy duo indeed. Uh, so that would make a lot of sense. But the idea the, uh, the idea of John going east, I think that's why I fixate a little bit on the search for Drogon because it would take up out of that. I, and there's no uh, no reason to expect that this pitch would be an entire show set in the in the Great White North up there. Um, but how far can John go? Is it is it past the lands of always winter? Is it to a shy? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it to go see the rest of this world? He's just a Westeros boy, right? He's just a, he's just a local. Yeah, <laughs> let's go see the yeah. world. And and as far as a big conflict, a big bad, I don't have that right now. And that's not m- the pressure I have in pitching this show. I'm just sitting here as a fan. I would like to see John go abroad. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to note too that. Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire, that core story mm-hmm. is in such a post-magic world. And, yeah. you know, whether you're, you're someone that loves the the maesters versus magic theory or that just looks at it literally with the dying of the dragons, there's all yeah. this stuff. This is post-magic. But it's important, I think. And if I was in the room, again, I'm not. No one's paying me to do that. And if I was, I wouldn't be here talking about it. Um, yeah. The, the Jon Snow is one of the last sort of vessels of magic. It's like, it's something that we forget is that he was, he has died and has risen again. And what is a second life like for one of these characters? And we've seen that hinted at with someone like Beric, that less of you comes back every time Mm -hmm. and that there is sort of a price. And like, maybe you, it's not a, there's a big magical villain with ice powers that I'm going to fight this time, but 
the battle is internal while I try to deal with something. And then, you know, just on, on a real world fun note, if I'm Kit, I would imagine, yeah, this is my idea for the show. And I will not be doing all of those <laughs> snowshoots. Yeah. Take me tropical. <laughs> Take David me somewhere else. David McKay, a.k.a. Chet on the 19th, says in chat, given how Kit's talked about Northern Ireland, I <laughs> yeah. would not be surprised if you wanted a John Snow to go abroad as well. Yeah, maybe uh, he's like, you know what? Uh, John Stone needs to go to the beach. He just needs to hang out at the beach here. Uh, Andy Hodges suggests if they do decide to do a young Griff uh, uh, continuation, I would like to actually get to see those war elephants. Yeah, you just have Cersei's quote. Mm. Hanging above that. I wanted those elephants. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great stuff here. All right, uh, we're not doing a super, super long show today. So let's get to those Kit Harrington comments. All right, Alden, uh, pick some stuff that you want. I got the article up. As always, we want to shout out, uh, I'll say friends that we don't really know them, are officially affiliated with them, but I enjoy always going to winteriscoming.net. And Daniel Roman, you can follow him at Roman Writing, put together uh, a good summary and uh, some good thoughts on the Game of Thrones official fan convention and the panel that Kit was on, or the panels that Kit, Kit was on, and some great Jon Snow thoughts. So check them out. We're all part of the Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire ecosystem Uh Alden, what do you got? Where do you go? Yeah, there's a comment here that, that I wanted to address. Of course, a lot of people wanted his thoughts on the ending, and everybody seemed to have asked in really chill ways. Mm. Uh, we'll touch on this a little bit. Uh, our friend Edgar that I mentioned, he he asked Kit what he feels Ned Stark would have thought of John's final decision to kill Danny mm. in terms of like how he grew up knowing about wow. the Kingslayer and yeah, then sort wow. of becomes the Queen Slayer. And Kit gave a great answer in terms of that, of that he thinks Ned would have disapproved. And so he's, a lot of his questions were about John's mental state and about hypotheticals and what he thinks. But this is, this is the interesting thing here that I loved. Uh, I'm quoting this out of the, the entertainment weekly write up. Mm. Um, there's, you know, tons of write ups to the panel. It says he began speaking about uh, the drama in 2019 with John killing Daenerys and banished to live out his days on the wall in the north. This is where Kit says, quote, I think if you asked him, he would have felt he got off lightly, Kit mm. said. At the end of the show, when we find him in that cell, he's prepared to be beheaded and he wants to be. He's done. The fact that he goes to the wall is the greatest gift and also the greatest curse. Mm. He continued, quote, He's got to go back up to the place with all this history and live out his life thinking about how he killed Danny and live out his life thinking about Egret dying in his arms and live out his life thinking about how he hung Ollie and live out his life thinking about all of his trauma. And that, Harrington paused before a brief moment. That's interesting. He coyly emphasized. <laughs> I love, first of all, I'm disappointed that Kit doesn't think Jon Snow would be remorseful over Alistair Thorne. That just breaks my heart. Just for <laughs> He thought about him for a moment and said, mm, shame. This is the hot fuzz. Shame. Shame. <laughs> Greater good. Yarp. All right. Uh, that is some juicy stuff, Alden. Yeah, there's so much to pull out of that there. And, and I love, you know, actors put so much into these characters. Sometimes their thoughts and ideas about the characters are a little wild. See anything Mark Hamill thinks about Luke Skywalker, good and bad. He's got some thoughts. 
Some you might not actually agree with if you heard the full uncut version of some of his thoughts. Uh, but I really like Kid as a, you know, thinking as a producer as well, which is what he would be on this series. He's thought long and hard about what this character went through. He spent a lot of time with the character. In fact, had some kind of his own uh, uh, trauma playing the character, which was uh, well documented. He had had a kind of uh, uh, take a, a, a good mental health time out to deal with some stuff. So this character stayed with him. The shoots and all the experience stayed with him, both good and bad. So uh, Alden, what do you pull out of this first? I, I think that the idea of being guilt-ridden is so cyclical and mm-hmm. it's so interesting in terms of, you know, we mentioned Ned in terms of my friend Edgar's question, like yeah. the honor and dishonor having to live within one person and who gets to define that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like if if John is wrestling with these questions about, Egret and Ali and ultimately Daenerys and all these things. It's like, he's got to wrestle, I think with having done the right thing, maybe in the grand picture, but also maybe societally the wrong things because it was regicide, but also Daenerys was a foreign conqueror. So mm-hmm. was it, was it not like there's all these ins and outs. And I think he would reflect a lot on sort of the nuances of those two things, which Tyrion has also done. And it's why mm-hmm. Tyrion didn't have an answer because right. at the end of the day, he has to know I did save lives. I did put a stop to immediate destruction that I witnessed, mm-hmm. but also I knew the truth of this person. I knew her in ways that other people didn't. Um, I think there's a lot of somberness that comes with these questions. And, you know, you talked about Mark Hamill, like, is this John and his, last Jedi era of I did yep. legendary things, but I also am now paying for them. It's, it's a hard thing. Cause that's been game of Thrones since the beginning of the original story. It's like yeah. Ned honor, 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 but you also helped destroy the Targaryen dynasty. You were a rebel. You mm-hmm. helped the usurper, but you judged Jamie for a stab in the back. Like yeah. that, that sliding spectrum of what's right and wrong is so part of what mm-hmm. uh, George does. Yeah. In this world. I love what you said. You throw in the, the, the question of honor with the Jamie Lannister. You know, sir, he is a knight. Still give him that of of that season one kind of Ned versus Jamie, what we thought as an audience, whether it's book or show, it doesn't matter. Them kind of like you have an opinion of mm-hmm. one, and Ned is still, I think, pure of heart and remains so, but that unravels a little bit more. I love the idea that we could dive into and Andrew Hodge Andy Hodges had a great comment here. Uh uh, if it was four seasons of John being sad and working through his trauma, grief, and the cold to find joy again with minimal action scenes, I'd also be super here for that. Uh, <laughs> we know that the show wouldn't be that, but I, I would be, in a way, jokes aside, I kind of would like to see that explore because you get into a lot of things about uh, self-forgiveness, uh, the honor that you're talking about, uh, weighing your actions, uh, what was a hero, what wasn't heroic, but also I think looking back on the world itself, well, one of my big dangling kind of threads, uh, thematic threads on, on Danny. One of the ones I get a lot of debates with people about is I, I don't know if the show nailed it perfectly in season eight. You'll, a lot of people will yell at me they didn't, I, but I really love the choice and I love getting there and I, I even love the speed of it because it was about the journey there that starting in season three, particularly, she decides to use her power for good, good and the world's like F you, constantly saying, we're not gonna let you do this. 
lady, foreigner, all these things you said. And does John have that too? And could you work through that? Uh, Does, uh, you know, the realm uh, have any thoughts on that? He's away from it. How does he reflect on that? How does he maybe go about changing that? Especially Mm -hmm. north of the wall where it's a little bit more uh, truly free, as Tormund would probably tell you. So those are big things. That's not a lot of action, a lot of campfire scenes. But I think that's where the show can build from or could build from where the character goes forward. Absolutely. And you look at John's origins, much like Danny's, like they they were both born of this cataclysmic time, this Robert's Rebellion era, and it's hung over them. And John, you know, it's it's at the end of the show, not the literal end, but like the tail end of the show that he finds out the truth about his parentage and everything. And yeah. there's a war and there, there's another battle and like he doesn't get time to really deal with that in the moment. But you've got to wonder how he has processed his own deeds in terms of the fact that he is his his very existence Mm -hmm. comes from the combination of honor and dishonor truth and lie falsehood love broken like his real father Rhaegar chose love you know Mm -hmm. over duty uh, which is a huge thing for him and that caused what it caused and then his adoptive father, actual uncle Ned, is the most honorable man, but raised him under a lie. A lie even that his family was lied to. The entire mm-hmm. world. Ned helped install the usurper, Robert, but then protected this baby who was a yeah. Targaryen from the usurper, Robert. John is born of contradictions. Yeah. And I think that he... He was born, bred, and 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 crafted and, and forged under contradictions. Yeah, and and he has That's, a lot hanging over him. I love that as a for like an ESPN thirty for thirty doc on Jon Snow. What if I told you one kid was born under contradictions? Uh, that'd yeah. be fun, <laughs> fun to explore. Uh, a lot of stuff. Eric Monroe's checking in here. Our good buddy Aaron, uh, uh, Eric, Susie. Uh, hi everyone. I'm uh, excited for Jon Snow show, but I also agree with Alden. I don't need it to be GOT season two. Our friend from the Imperial Senate podcast, Charlie Charles Worthington Ashby Mountbatten III. Uh, That's not his real Mm. name, but I'm excited, uh, Charlie, to finally get to have a pint with you in London (laughs) in April. I would uh, love some magical way of John being able to discuss these issues with ghosts of the past, maybe Targaryen dreams. Imagine John talking to Viserys first. You know what? After seeing those two performers side by side at the convention this week, that's all I want. And give me that John, that John Snow motorhead mustache. <laughs> let me, let me snow, John. John <laughs> he was rocking it. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that him and Patty got to me. I somebody <laughs> that knows the lore way better than me. Tell me how many generations removed he is as a yeah, great grandpa. Right. Right. Um, especially yeah. with incest, it makes it complicated. I, I tried to do the uh, what is Rhaenyra to Danny once, and I had to read a whole article, and I think she's like. <laughs> 16th great grandmother or something like that. But yeah, I mean, dragon dreams, like leaning into that again, the Drogon of it all, like Drogon and John have, they have some cute moments. They have some funny moments, like when they're making out and Drogon's just looking at them, like, but they also have the dragons have a, have a higher level of sentience in a certain way, much like dire wolves. Like they're, they're able to understand and form relationships. And it's important to note, like, you know, Drogon witnessed what went down, burned the throne, and then didn't turn on John. Though yeah, yeah. he he left, and Drogon in that moment, this weapon of mass destruction, did choose peace. And what moment is there left for them? And mm. where is he going? And why why is Bran interested? You know, these are these are very you know nerd world. Like we must have an answer. And like I don't necessarily feel that way, but 
Yeah, it, it, it is. There's a lot hanging over everything, especially with the the, the lay of the land. I mean, we got to keep in mind where, you know, Kit is a few years older now. They could always age him up if they wanted to. They could put some gray in his beard. Like yeah. they could do anything with television. But the the capital is also still devastated. Like the right. Red Keep is devastated. The North is now independent. Like there's so much that you can lean into in terms of the difference in the world building mm-hmm. that while you're doing that, why not have John, like this show starts with John's first dragon dream. Mm-hmm. And the, and maybe it's like, now I'm just irresponsibly speculating, but like you didn't have them when you were a kid because you didn't know you were a Targaryen and now you do. And yeah, open up. I mean, what, what do you about, and we'll get back to some kids' comments here, but what, what do you think about the, this identity? You mentioned a lot of things that he is, the, the Targaryen thing hanging over him. Yeah, he kind of, in a sense, leaves the name behind and heads north of the wall, which wasn't necessarily... It was, I think, partly, you know, like like Kit says, is, is a blessing and a curse, uh, a gift and a curse. But, you know, he's got that hanging over him. Does he attach, uh, try to reattach himself to that identity, discover more about that identity, learn to be a Targaryen? Does, do you want that to factor in at all? Uh, do you th- I mean, it definitely would hang over him, but could that be part of it too, that this story almost ends more Targaryens? I know some people want uh, different family names, but that would be an interesting thread for me, especially from House of the Dragon season one to where we might go. Yeah, I would like them to deal with it for sure, even if it is by addressing or doubling down or having him explain, you know, in dialogue or with a new relationship, romantic or otherwise, just any type of relationship, um, that he's a man that not just refused the, you know, Mm. the refused the throne. He had the quick path to the throne, right? He's Aegon six, I believe, six or seven, six. Uh, Yeah, not factoring young Griffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not factoring in uh, the uh, you know the imposters and everything, but he yeah he had the the quick ticket you know yeah. he had the claim and he could have been Aegon the sixth Targaryen and and but he turned that down. But it's uh, but one thing that I love is that it's not the first time he'd done that. Stannis Correct, also right. said kneel and rise again, John Stark, mm-hmm. and you would be my warden of the North and everything. He's yeah. by that point, whether he realized it or not, when he's Lord Commander. Lord Commander Jon Snow is is sort of what he had become comfortable being. Yeah. And so he has he synthesized his all of his aspects, which he's able to pass to Fionn in that yeah. beautiful scene of you're a Greyjoy and you're a Stark. Mm-hmm. He passes that wisdom on, but it is still interesting, you know, with a dragon out in the world, maybe there's just a literal brass axe question of someone saying, the dragon is out of control. He's only going to listen to a Targaryen, period. And maybe that's yeah. Samuel Tarly. Maybe that's Bran. Um, <laughs> because the, the, the Valarians are all but yeah. destroyed oh, or yeah. gone by this point. So who else but you? It would mm-hmm. be an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's something to it there. You know, you're talking about trying to create some kind of conflict and everything. Yeah, yeah Drogon could be quite a conflict. Uh, certainly not enough. Uh, one of my favorite things about, what, uh, John, about Jon Snow that Kit said was, uh, kind of continuing what you said, just this idea I want to focus in on here is I, I think where we leave him at the end of the show, there's always this feeling of like, I think he, we as an audience wanted some kind of little smile that things are okay and he's not okay. Uh, I love that ending and I, I stand behind John's ending too. And I think that's, I, it's definitely where he was sent. And I want to be clear. And technically I understand, you know, that's what happened. I understand that, but I've always thought that kind of is where he needed to go anyways and maybe where his heart wanted to go which is maybe a little bit of the gift and the curse that kit harrington is talking about but i uh, it, it's so 
it's so uh, Jon Snow to be not okay. His whole life is not. We meet him. He's a, he's sullen. Uh, we we mm-hmm. he doesn't get to experience Egret being around Mance. There's Jor Mormont. There's moments of joy, but he's he's a heavy heart. He's a heart on his sleeve, heavy hearted, uh, somber, sullen guy. Uh, I would also wouldn't mind to see Jon Snow smile at some point in this series and to have part of. Uh, what is he? What he's become is someone who is a little well adjusted to some of the things around him, even though he has this burden that he carries on his back. Don't you want to see Jon Snow smile, Alden? I do, I do, and I think the fact that it's easy to remember the moments when he does is proof positive that it was so <laughs> rare. Like a moment that I always love is when yeah. Jon is Lord Commander and he says, "We need a Latrine captain." Yeah, and and then uh, he's like, uh, you know, see, Brian. Seems like a good job for a ginger. Like, and everybody <laughs>, laughs. Like, one of the f- yeah. few jokes he cracks in the entire show. And it's, yeah. I would love to see him reach mm. either by the end of snow or maybe by the, be- maybe the, by the beginning of snow, yeah. he's cracking smiles because he's come to some peace. And then it's the, no, there's a threat. Like, who knows how they play that. Yeah. But I've always thought it was interesting. Like you said, he had to go there because that's what, that was his sentence. But he also needed to. But then also, it was Tyrion and Bran and the, this council, like also just trying to get Grey Worm off their back. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think that Grey Worm knew necessarily. Yeah. That's something I've always pointed out about season eight. People yeah. are like, oh, Gr- uh, they just sent him back to the wall. Like, and it's like, no, they, Tyrion set him free because yeah. I, the Westerosi characters know that the wall fell. Yeah. Um, people in Danny's camp know that the wall fell because that's where uh, uh, Tormund was, that's where yeah. uh, Dondarrion was. Yeah. So it's like the Night's Watch like exists. We see a couple Rangers when he gets there and pets ghost. Mm-hmm. But I think that it does that. Does he lead those people north and then turn Castle Black into Castle Snow? Like, I don't know what he does because <laughs> that they don't have no purpose anymore. For thousands yeah. of years, they've been in order and then they won. Yeah. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing my Night's Watch hat, and I I just had a sad moment. I was like, oh, he gets to be reunited with Ed. And I'm like, oh wait, no, that uh, uh, that can't happen. He go to he go to no. Ed's uh, you know uh, uh, tombstone and uh, tip his doff his doff his cap there. Yeah. Uh, more comments here. We're gonna get to some of the ghost stuff, which Kit Harrington said. Uh, I like Charlie's uh, comment here. I think t- uh, taking Danny's body away is clearly thematic. Yeah, I agree with that. But in the world of magic how, and how these characters are so intrinsically linked to by rebirth, I can't help but wonder if we'll ever see her again. Going to the thoughts. Uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily need Amelia Clark as Daenerys Targaryen, but it would be, I think, somewhat of a. I could see it as a missed opportunity if you don't find some way. Dreams, visions. Crazy magic. Maybe Piat Pre Jr. brings her back with some uh, evening essence of the night shade. Yeah. There could be a lot of things, a lot of ways, but uh, like like Ranger Donald said earlier, that shadow, the shadow of that character hangs over probably every second of Jon's soul right now. I mean, that's, yeah, if Jon Snow walks into the house of the undying or (laughs) Jon Snow can't sleep or Jon is having dragon dreams and they're of her and Jon, you know. All of those things, like there's a, there's organic ways, I think, to get Amelia in there without a red priestess bringing yeah. her back. It doesn't need yeah. to be something that literal, um, but it but there is still, I think, something to be said for that character. I don't know, and, and that's maybe that's why I need another convention, and I need an Amelia panel. <laughs> yeah, I need Amelia need to talk about it. Um, <laughs> like what I need Amelia, Dan, and Dave to talk about. Like what is she thinking about? in yeah. her last breaths. Yeah. Um, did she, you know, she has that, I, I think her controversies aside mm-hmm. and how we got there aside, 
I think that when she finally gets to the throne, she she brings up Viserys the third and her, her their childhood and everything. And I, I think that that stuff is really poignant. I think she has to factor in. Um, and and Kit Harrington also did comment on love this yeah. this weekend. That was her question: mm-hmm. Would Jon Snow ever find love again? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have this one in front of me, but it was communicated to me by our friend who was there. And he said that Kit was saying. I think that he has too much PTSD for another romance, um, which I, as a fan, I I agree with that. I think Mm -hmm. two great loves of two very different phases and times and types of women and types of people and environments is enough. Um, But I think that both Egret and John have to, I think I've joked before on Casually Talk, like maybe John, by the time the show picks up, lives on Mount Egret. Like he just named it after her. I I can see that, yeah. Yeah. You can't find him unless you know how to get there. Like, he's just being a depressed boy. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Ghost Ghost has a whole wolf pack that guards Mount Egret. I I like what you're pitching here. The tales of uh, of John on Mount Egret there. Kit had a lot to say about Ghost when asked about there. I don't know if you have those comments in front of you, uh, Alden, but some great stuff here that he said. I do think Ghost has a place in. I mean, he's brilliant in the books, and he's such an interesting dynamic. Those wolves are with the kids. I think he, you know, I think there's, I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just saying they're very difficult to film. So uh, what I liked about that is, uh, a lot of people are reading into clues about what the show um, could be and what they might be working on. Uh, I, I kind of look at that and laugh as like, J- John's already thinking as a producer, the cost for the wolves is higher than people ever want to kind of <laughs> realize, which is why Ghost wasn't in the show as much towards the end as we all know. So anyways, your thoughts yeah. on that, that comment and uh, yeah, Ghost in this show. Yeah, you just sent me back to uh, raging during season eight on Twitter of people yelling at Dan and Dave, how dare you cut him? Oh, wait, there he is in the finale, and they get a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Funny what happens when you just wait yeah. Um, yeah. for episodes to come out, um, which was, yeah, that, that that whole thing about that. It's like it was the reality of the time. Even between Thrones and House, the money is significantly different. I mean, I, I mean, I go, a, yeah, my rage moment was I understood a lot of the things behind it. There's some bigger cultural, social things I got, but... The fact that uh, the amount of horses in a big battle, it's not easy to pull off and it takes a lot of money and a lot of time. And there was a reason the Dothraki kind of were used the way they were, both in the story and the reality. It's just kind of the harsh truth about the situation. And so, yeah, there was a lot of that stuff. But again, John John already thinking like a producer. Kit, Kit, I should say. They're the same to me. It's like Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia, right? Kit and John, they're the same. It is. Yeah, they blend together, and yeah. and I think that's an important note too. Is that him shaping the creative direction? I think that's something that that's something I really like um, that we're seeing more of. Diego Luna, producer on Andor, Ewan McGregor, producer on Obi Wan, mm. Tom Hiddleston and Hemsworth produced Loki and Thor. Um, so it's like those, those. That's something of a creative ownership that I like to see. Um, people mm-hmm. have joked for a long time because of the way that young George R. R. Martin looks in old photos that John is his insert character. Mm-hmm. So the two of them having these conversations about what it would be like is is really interesting to me. And yeah. it's just, it's I, I, it's funny to think about like what does Kit Harrington now know about the way that the book version ends? What does yeah. he what does Kit Harrington know about what he shot and filmed with? Isaac Hempstead Wright and Amelia yeah. Clark and everybody came from George versus came from Dan and Dave. And then, you know, then there's the big question of who makes this thing <laughs> is another thing. Cause yeah. Miguel's out and he's, he's yeah. doing his, his independent projects. Yeah. And 
You yeah. know, is, does yeah. Condal become the Fahey of the whole thing? I don't know. These are all fun uh, yeah. questions. Yeah, it seems like John has a team with him. Well, I have to look and see some of the other projects he's worked on and, and the names there. I haven't researched that far there. Uh, I love the, yeah, the, yeah, John Snow as George is an interesting one because uh, I've always, Samuel Tarley, the bookish kind of uh, not tough mm-hmm. warrior, not, you know, um, that always tracked for me. But I love what you're saying about George R. R. Martin and, and John Snow and that connection because, you know, maybe George is uh, saying, yeah, I just want to go hide out in me- New Mexico. And I feel all the stuff that I've put out there and all the characters I've killed uh, are the decisions right for me. And then maybe Kit can find a, a connection with those two characters, uh, the real life George R. R. Martin and, and John Snow there. Got a question here uh, before we begin to wrap up here. Alden, on this quick little uh, version of Casually Talk Live. Uh, Haskell, thank you, Eddie, for all the support. He always tweets out links to all the shows. He's a big supporter of so many people. We appreciate it. He says, from the time John left Egret uh, and uh, they got reunited at Castle Black, any chance they could pull fast one saying she realized she was pregnant after he escaped, had his kid and never told him. And then Eddie follows that up with, or is that too much daytime soap, uh, soap drama option? Yeah, in a way, yeah, I could say that. I see that. But it does uh, beg the question, Alden, of not just you know, John and Egret had a kid. I actually wouldn't have a problem with that. But, you know, a show about next generations. This is after the big change. The The wheel was reformed, not necessarily broken, or at least they're rebuilding parts of it. The next generation mm-hmm. does need to factor in that story for me a little bit as a viewer. I'm never uh, beholden to too many of my expectations. But John Jr., yeah. I don't have a problem with that idea. Do you? No, I don't have a problem with it conceptually. You sort of get into the how much time was there between their... Yeah. quote unquote breakup and then the attack on the wall. Like you get into really nerd questions about that. Yeah. Um, but as a concept, John having to become his father in, in mm-hmm. certain ways, his fathers in certain yeah. ways, that's very mythic. That's very classic. Having to take up uh, an apprentice, a protege, uh, some young member of the free folk that wants to do X, but needs a guardian, like there's all types of stuff that you could do. Maybe John finds that ice baby and then we just do the Mandalorian and, and John just takes him and they have adventures and I don't know. Um, but, but the idea of the next generation is important. I mean, Bran is a young King, mm-hmm. um, Podrick's on the King's guard, like Sam is young for a maester. Like yeah. the transitionary period already kind of did start as the show started to close. Even Tyrion, Tyrion's not, Young, but he's not, he's certainly not old. Yeah. He's younger than the other hands of the kings were. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it sort of does seem like we're at a transitionary time. Um, Queen Sansa as well. She's right. young. So it's like, how have they decided to uh, break conventions and change things? There had not been a queen of the North. So right. what does the North look like at this point? What has she changed and done? Those are all important questions, I think. Important, important questions, indeed. Uh, Andy Hodges uh, brings up this one. This is a book character, uh, uh, Satin or Satine, because anytime I, there's no E on the end of it, but I think of our, our, our favorite Duchess, Satine. Um, but mm. uh, Satine is a uh, steward, steward of Jon Snow in the books, kind of a book-only character. Ollie kind of uh, did kind of take a lot of the, uh, the the beats with him, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, Andy says, uh, you know, would you fan- have any fan casting for that since we missed him in GOT? And that could also take a little bit of that next generation angle with Jon Snow if you wanted to there. So uh, I don't know if you're super familiar with that uh, character, Alden, throwing that one on you there. But any thoughts on that one? I am not. But if you're asking me, are there young 
British actors that I would love to throw into this world? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of them off the top of my head. If you've never seen the A24 movie, Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix, uh, his co-star is a young British gentleman named Woody Norman, mm-hmm. who gives one of the performances I've ever seen in my life. So I pick him just by default. There you go. I thought you were going to say Joaquin Phoenix and I was going to find a way to make it work in my mind there. Uh, almost, Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> almost done. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on uh, Kit's comments? Anything that I left off the table there? I'll... No, I think we pretty much covered everything that he said. I mean, of course, there's always going to be internet blowback because he he agreed verbally mm-hmm. with John's choice to kill Danny, and then it's the you know the whole song and dance of why did D and D ruin X and X and Y and Z yeah. and like. Yeah. We're not here to really entertain that. I have no ill will toward Dan and Dave. I will. I will say though, uh, if I'm going to choose chaos, mm-hmm. do I think Dan and Dave would ever come back? <laughs> no. no. But do no. I think that Dan and Dave get a say maybe legally? I mean, it would be interesting, <laughs> was, right? Yeah, like, actually, like, I thought like, about that. Yeah, how, legally. Yeah. How yeah, much do they? No, own like legally, care? like that's a really Hollywoody conversation. Like, do yeah. they get a? Based on characters created by George R. R. Martin, David yeah. Benioff, and Dan Weiss, like that's because uh, they cast this kid. Yeah, they made this version. Yeah, it, no, it's, so, I'd have to dig into it a little bit. I would love that. I also imagine uh, something coming across their desk, and they're just like, "Yeah, sign off on it." Where we, yeah, we'll see it. We'll watch it on uh, from our couches. <laughs> have fun with that. Uh, exactly. Is this going to be like executive producer in the same mm-hmm. way that like uh, lots of people are like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I produced that. <laughs> yeah. Meaning that I, I came by set. I had a cup of coffee. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I was like, this is cool. It's like me executive producing our Willow reviews. You know, here's the password, Alden. I'll take the credit there. No. Um, <laughs> it's just that this is how you work, StreamYard. This is how you work, StreamYard. Uh, just keep Nikki in line. Uh, we're wrapping up here. But one of the things, that, you know, the headline, uh, you know, that we really want to address was that this, this series is happening. And uh, you know, again, unofficially uh, official, uh, but I, some of those news stories don't believe them yet as far as how far along they are and what's going on. Uh, but also that, Hey, you know, the convention itself, uh, the fact that we, you know, we were kind of expecting the news, but I don't even hold them to the, the flame uh, that the news didn't come out of it uh, because that happens, you know, D23 and what was it? 2015, 2016. I cannot remember, but Stuart Beatty, was going to be there to announce the Kenobi movie or be part of the announcement of the Kenobi movie of some of the rumors that were uh, floating around town. And literally that did not happen. Like they pulled that back. So uh, we'll wait. Celebration London 2016, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. So, you know, uh, don't, uh, let's just keep, keep it loose on our expectations on the series. Uh, and not view it as a, as a sure thing quite yet. But man, we're really excited for the idea behind it. There's a lot that could go into this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, you know, I come back to this and I, 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 I could be quoting myself. I could be paraphrasing myself. I stand by this. The day that this was announced, I remember laying in bed, seeing James Hibbard's report, texting you and saying, you know, mm-hmm. holy bleep, we got to talk about this. And yeah. I remain at holy bleep levels of excitement. If you, I, mm-hmm. I, I, of course I want new, of course I want yeah. uh, the Corliss show to make it. Of course I want the Yeet show to make it. Of course I want the yeah. Dunkin' Egg show to make it. But I'm sorry, this is my guy. Like, yeah, and I yeah. and I am here for the follow-ups. I don't buy into the buzzwords of it's safe, it's nostalgia, it's they just want sameness because it's about character, it's about theme. And if you have more to say with Luke Skywalker, Indiana Jones, Wolverine, I don't care. 
yeah. put Jon Snow in that category too. If you have more to say, say it. I'm with you on that. Yes, nostalgia can be a dangerous drug. I do agree with that. And you can tell sometimes when uh, you, you take one hit too many. I totally understand that. But this to me does not have that at all. I'm with you. There, you have someone who lived with this character for almost a decade who's like, I still think there's more to say. Mm-hmm. And why not in this world of content just uh, yeah. pouring out and also disappearing at rapid rates? So And to go. not wait is a big thing too, which yeah. I brought up before. Like it wasn't, kit 20 years from now saying oh i think i have one more ride left in me me. he took a took a few years off and then said no i missed that guy and i think that that like why should i have to wait until i'm you know until until 30 years from now to announce uh john as the master character for new heroes like why should why should he yeah he shouldn't have to and i think that that's a, a a fun a fresh approach to it, which is something that I think can excite people like breaking bad ended. And they were like, no, we're going to do this all Goodman show right now. Like, yeah. why not? Yeah. Hey, look, you know, and uh, yeah, let's not forget the greatest uh, spinoff of all time. Of course, Frasier, which people That's are like, correct. what, what? And in uh, many ways, I know people who are more fans of Frasier than cheers. I'm a cheers guy myself. All right. Let's talk, not talk about eighties and nineties sitcoms. Let's wrap up the show. A lot of fun. We're excited for the possibility because when it comes to these properties we love, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Willow, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, we always like that big what if, what if, and let's answer that with more stories so we'll see what happens. We're almost out of here, but speaking of Willow, Alden, you, Nikki, uh, you guys have been doing a great job reviewing the show. More people on the way. Tease who's coming. Uh, I, that does not mean they're legally obligated to show up. Life happens. But who's in the hopper to review Willow with you here on the channel? Yeah, you can expect to see more of Nikki, of course. You can expect to see Adam Collins, who some of you remember from the movie trivia Schmodown as one of the world champions, also known as the Coyote. He's going to be joining us. Uh, Alex and Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained are coming on the show. A few other people I've reached out to that I haven't locked yet, so I'm not going to announce, but we've got a fun roster of people that are going to be joining us for this show that honestly has been such a shot of just fun and joy and and really cleverness and it's not going to be for everyone it's extremely different uh from some of the stuff that we've covered here um but in a good way and when when we're you know holiday seasons can be tough it's nice to have those wednesday willow watches so come join us wednesday evenings so far consistently we've been good with wednesday evenings so far um for all three of them um but all two of them rather three episodes to broadcast. Um, but yeah, join us for Willow. We're going to keep that going. That's an eight episode season. So we'll have that up until, up until the new year. There you go. Absolutely. Check it out. I'm enjoying the series as well. Might pop back on for the finale. We'll see where life takes me for right now. Uh, for Alden, for me, don't forget to, if you're on YouTube, links below to follow Alden and his, uh, podcast, Octo Radio, Willow as well. You can go to my website, catnapsock.com for more. Yeah, I think there's still time, maybe for the holidays. If you, you want to shop, uh, I'm selling uh, personalized copies of my book, Why We Live Star Wars, via my website. Check it out there. All right, my friends, that is it for this week. Jon Snow will wait for you north of the wall. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk. <laughs>